Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you in song, we now come before your word that is alive, that is active. Lord, with all that's going on in this fragile and uncertain world now, we kind of put that aside and we come to you and ask that you would have your way in our hearts, in our lives, that one word could change a destiny here right now. And we believe for the miraculous, we believe for faith to rise, we believe for hope to stand strong in people's hearts and people's lives in this very sensitive subject tonight. And so, Lord, uh, you are so good, and we pray that you would have your way. May your will be done right now, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. All right, well, welcome. Isn't it great to be back in the house? Hey, uh, I don't know if you remember back five or six weeks ago, because we had uh, Father's Day kind of crammed right in the middle of it. We started off at week one with the topic of, that's okay, I can remind you. Uh, week one, uh, we, this is a series of, uh, called Toxic, of course. We start off with offense, we, then we move to shame, to gossip, to approval, and now tonight, in regards to toxic thoughts, it all begins in the mind. Just as we have physical health, who enjoys a little bit of physical health? I've got a couple of friends in the first few rows, I understand. Just as we have spiritual health, just as we have emotional health, just as we have dental health, give me a big smile, just as we have dental health, we also have mental health. And it's a great thing, of course, these days being really brought into the public space a lot more than when I was a lot younger, which is great. We're talking about this kind of thing in society. And can I just go here just for a moment, just with you, because I, uh, the way that God has created the mind absolutely fascinates me. We have this ability to think. Come with me just for a moment. Certain smells, certain sounds, certain sights can almost transport us back to different times and different events in our lives. Anyone understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, fantastic. Certain food, certain people and places can bring this flood of memories right to the forefront of our mind. It's like that you were right there hovering over that specific moment. Isn't it amazing how we can look into another time and all these good feelings come back to our minds? Yet other times... Other times, other memories start knocking at the door of our minds, like shame, like hurt, like pain, like negativity. Can anyone relate with me tonight? Can I get a few? Thank you, thank you. Again, I just want to say, the mind is a fascinating thing. I want to start with this statement tonight. Have we got it on the screen? Can we put that on the screen? And it's this, that your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Yeah? Your life moves in the direction of your strongest 
thoughts. I absolutely believe our mind is our greatest asset. But it's also our greatest target. You see, if you're not a believer here tonight, or you may be participating online, by the way, welcome. Well, can we welcome those who are online? And we know we've got a number of them. It's great to have you here with us. Welcome. Um, we believe that we're in a spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6, the new part, the New Testament, sorry, of the Bible, talks about we're in a spiritual battle. And the greatest target that the enemy goes for is often our minds. But the good news is that God has equipped us with his living and active word to live a life of peace and a life of joy. And I've done a lot of research and reading over many years that I actually believe that science is catching up with what God's word has said all along. What Paul was writing to the church in Philippi to, to, to help us understand where he said, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. What did he say? The apostle Paul says to what? To think on such things, to think, to, to marinate on that and your life will follow suit. Your life moves in the direction of your thoughts. You see, our thinking is connected with our well-being. And it affects the direction of our lives. You see, what we think about affects our words, it affects our attitude, it affects our decisions, our emotions, how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to other people, and how we relate to God. Another question, be honest with me, I'm going to ask you three questions. The third question, I'm not asking you for a response, but the first question is, how many of us here tonight kind of, you know, you, you talk to yourself a little bit? Come on, come on. We talk to yourself. Come on, yeah? You talk to yourself a little bit. It's a bit of fun, isn't it, you know? Uh, how, many, how many family members? So for those people here tonight, you have a family member who talks to themselves a lot. You're just not, yeah, fantastic. Um, next question is this. How many of us overthink? I'm an overthinker. I'm an overthinker. How many of us overthink? You know, God's given us that ability to think, and some of us overthink things. This question I just want you to answer in your heart of hearts, the third one, and it's this. Is your thought life, is your thought life more positive or is it more negative? You see, I want you to know here tonight that everybody wrestles with this. I want you to know that you are not alone in this. In fact, we've got that next slide, please. In my research, I found this, that 70% of our mental chatter is self-critical, pessimistic, and fearful. We all have these negative messages about ourselves that play back over and over in our mind. Messages that aren't often helpful. Messages that aren't often from God. And often we've carried these messages for years. You see, your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Let's just stay here for a moment because I want to show you something. Just in a moment, just, I want to show you something. But the vast majority of the destructive seeds of thinking that are planted in our minds could be captured in the categories of the following three. Unlovely, 
Can you put that up? Is that okay? Is that up? Unlovely, unwanted, and worthless. Captured in those kind of categories, hogging all the nourishment and dictating the narrative of our lives. Just not good enough, just not worthy enough, just not wanted enough, and just not lovely enough. We all have the capacity to think that way, and often it moves in those directions. Now, Henry Cloud is a Christian clinical psychologist, many, many years experience, written a number of books. And he's spoken at the Global Leadership Summit a number of times, and he's just a great guy. And I got onto this that I would like to show you. It just goes like for 60 seconds or so. And he talks about the negative thoughts that we have in our lives. This is Henry Cloud, clinical psychologist. The third thing is it's very important to realize the thoughts you are having that are negative are not real thoughts, okay? Those are biologically created farts in your head. And then you think they're thoughts, but they're farts. When your stress hormones go up, the brain farts negative stuff because stress hormones are by definition activating the system that fears. That's the way God designed it. So when a train's coming, you jump off a track. Ah, oh, hell, it's breaking loose. It's designed to be negative. Or you would drown. So what your brain does, it starts to produce thoughts that explain why I feel this way. Well, it must be because I suck. It must be because the whole world is bad. If you treat those as thinking, then you're done. Yeah. Right? But yeah, that's not thinking. You're right. It's not thinking. Have you ever been under stress and awakened at three in the morning and had the thought of, can't wait for tomorrow, I'm going to win the lottery? <laughs> You've never had a positive thought that your stress brain created. You never, it doesn't, it won't do it. Yeah, following? Yeah? Now, he's a clinical psychologist. I'm not. I'm a pastor of 23 years, so I'm going to stay in my lane, all right? And so we're going to open the Bible. Romans, let's go there. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles tonight or your smartphones, if not, that's okay. That's on the screen. Romans chapter 8. Uh, watch back on that, by the way, and uh, you might pick up something extra uh, along the journey. Romans chapter 8, 5 to 6 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Can you say those two words with me? Life and peace. Life and peace peace. Tonight, we're talking about a new mindset. We're talking about um, a new way of seeing ourselves, a new way of thinking about life. Once again, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Can I give you another one tonight? And it's this, changing your mind can change your life. Changing your mind 
can change your life. <clears throat> Tonight, we're going to do some gardening. And I know if that sense within you immediately comes up, that sense of, oh, I can't stand gardening. We have that same attitude when it comes to our mental health as we do with gardening, because you're a bit like me. Uh, I know a couple of people who really like gardening. I'm not one of them. But it's the same with our mental health. We don't like to work at it, and so we let it go by the wayside. And what happens? Weeds grow up in the gardens of our minds. And so tonight, we're going to do some gardening. Everyone goes, fantastic. We're going to plant some thoughts in the gardens of our mind. But first of all, another question, and it's this. What are you, what are you intentionally planting in the garden of your mind? And have a think about that for a moment. What are you intentionally planting in the garden of your mind? As we go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this. This is Paul writing to the church. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but, and here's the shift, be transformed by the what? By the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by doing this, 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 and this. No. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, the writer is saying, change in our lives isn't all about doing something different. Change in our lives is primarily about thinking something different. Paul, we read a moment ago in the book of Philippians. You see, thinking something different, as the Apostle Paul would teach us, leads us always to doing something different. Paul is saying before you can be transformed, by the way, the word there is metamorphosis. Yeah, is metamorphosis from that caterpillar in the cocoon to a butterfly in the sky. But Paul is saying it actually begins with the renewing of the mind. In other words, tonight, let's get this picture for us all here tonight. You are the gardener, because we love some gardening tonight. But your mind, you, the, your mind is the garden. That's the picture we want to get. You are the gardener. And your mind is the garden. And maybe, by the way, maybe somebody else planted that thought in your mind. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe as we open our screens, there's so many thoughts coming at us. Maybe that was planted in the garden of your mind. Maybe this spiritual enemy. Yes, we have a spiritual enemy. Planted something in your mind. Maybe you planted that in the garden of your mind. But we need to understand, in the garden of our minds, you are the gardener, yeah? You are the gardener. By the Holy Spirit, within each of us, we have the ability to garden well and to cultivate what we think about. And so Paul was saying, it's possible for you to no longer be conformed to the pattern of this world. Why? Because you and I, we are in a different story. And we get there by renewing our minds to what God has to say about us. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, For as a person thinks in... Did we get that or not? 
Did we get that? Second Proverbs 23, doesn't matter. Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, you can predict your future choices. What we let in we will dictate how we choose to live. And so whatever we are hosting in the garden of our minds is ultimately, ultimately going to give you the crop and it's called your future. So God wants, I believe, here tonight to speak to us about winning the battle of our minds and it is a battle. And so the question is, what has been planted in the garden of your mind that needs to go? On the other side of that, what needs to be planted so that in the season to come, you'll be that person that God has destined you and created you to be. Let's go to another passage, 2 Corinthians. This is Paul once again. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive a few thoughts here and there. To... No, no, no. We take captive what? Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, every thought that goes into the garden of our minds is not of, that's not of God. We have the ability as gardeners of the garden to take that thought captive, to weed it out, if it's been planted there for some time, to weed that thought out and make it obedient to Christ. Okay, Steve, well, fair, yeah, that's fair enough, but how do we go about that? What I'm going to give you is two questions to ask of yourselves, and then I'm going to give us four thoughts to consider, all right? Two questions to ask, and then I'm going to give us four thoughts, and I'm done for tonight. But the, the first question is this. We have to do an audit of our thoughts. We have to do an audit of our garden. What's been planted in the garden? We have to interrogate. We have to um, investigate uh, where that thought has come from. And we have to acknowledge, well, wait, I didn't plant that thought. So who did? Where has it come from? And what is it that I need to do to dig that weed out of this precious garden? You see, you can't change what you think about until you know what you think about. The second question is this. Is it consistent? Is it consistent with this? Is it consistent with the living word of God? Our almighty God, is it consistent with that? Because if it's not, take the word of God, which is the renewing part, of course, wrap that thought up with the renewing power of the truth of God's word, take that thought captive, weed it out, and in Christ, make it obedient to him. My friends, tonight, that is good gardening. That is good garden. That's what I'm inviting us to consider. You see, whatever you sow, guess what? We're going to reap. 
Whatever we sow, we reap. The Bible teaches that. And if we don't garden well, and if we let that thought that's not consistent with the Word of God, and we let that thought um, take root in our minds, we're going to reap more of that. And so I believe God's saying to us each tonight, and it's this, garden well. Garden well. You see, let's think, of it, let's think about gardening for a moment. This is what I know about gardening, all right? Um, gardening is generally about two things. It's, it's uprooting and it's planting. It's weeding out and it's sowing. It's uh, raking away, it's turning upside down, it's preparing, then it's sowing, it's watering, watering, it's cultivating, and then it's reaping the rewards of that. And by the way, the same goes for God's Word, doesn't it? The same goes for God's Word. You see, God's Word doesn't just put good things into our lives. God's Word has the power to rake those things that we don't want in our lives, out of our lives, to uproot to weed out, but to also to plant. Are we following tonight? Are we with me tonight? Fantastic. Then, so there's the question again. What are you intentionally planting in the garden of your mind? And I, I'm asking another one tonight, and it's this. Is it time to uproot? Hmm. And is it time to plant? Is it time to change the narrative that's continually going on in your Mind. With the remaining time that we have together, I'm going to encourage us to plant four thoughts. Four thoughts, that's it, in the gardens of our minds tonight. They can take something which is dead and make alive once again. They can take something which is broken and make whole once again. And so if you will plant, if you will plant these four thoughts and give them time to take root, to allow them to go deep, and if you stay with them, if you cultivate them, you water them, and sometimes plants and trees and, and things like that, it takes quite some time, doesn't it? You will see a different you in the season ahead. I'm absolutely certain of it. The first thought is this tonight. We've got to plant this thought. Number one, I am in God's story. I am in God's story. We're going to plant that thought in the garden of our minds. Why? Because it's not actually natural for humans that have fallen to have that thought in the gardens of our minds. But God, by the Holy Spirit, can awaken that thought that says, I am in God's story. You see, you have to plant that thought daily. Daily, until it takes root in your life and it produces fruit, that in fact, you actually start to live that way and believe that way, that I am in God's story. Not a trick question, by the way, not a trick question. I'm, I'm not out to embarrass anyone, but can anyone just kind of yell out um, what the first line, first sentence is in the Bible? Yeah, very good. Who's got that? Say it again. In the, in, the in the beginning, what? Very good. In the beginning, say it. God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In other words, it did not start 
with me. I did not create it. I am in a story that began with the almighty God. And guess what? Because of that, that's actually my reference point. That's where and how and why I live from. I am in his story, and that's my reference point, through which I see everything, including me. I am in God's story. Well, back in the day when we could travel and we could go to, to large shopping centers, how many people have been to a large shopping center? Like a Westfield, yeah? You've been to a Westfield. You know, these massive shopping centers with multiple shops in them, looking for specific stores like, well, running stores and things like that. You know, I, 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 go, I go to Rebel Sports. I go to, straight to Rebel Sports. When I see some of these big shopping, I go straight to Rebel because I like, where do you go to? Where would you go to? Anyway, you get the idea. The, the, when you're starting to look for a shop of a certain type or brand or whatever it is, you go and look for the, the directory. You go and look for the directory. And it doesn't make sense until you find that you are here. And generally, the directories are the top of the escalator, isn't it? And um, it has different color codes for all the different levels and things like that. And once you find where you are, you could work your way towards that destination. But you had to figure out at some point, where am I? Where am I? And so this is a way of thought. It's a, what produces attitude and a spirit of life. So we had to figure out, where am I? And guess what? It's in opening this word of God that we realize, I am am here. I am here. And this is my reference point. This is my location based on my relationship with Jesus Christ, what he has done for me, what he has given to me. He is, and this is my reference point for life. And I'm going to be as bold to say this, that unless we have that, unless we have that as our reference point, I believe that we miss out on everything in life unless we plant our thought that I am in God's story. I am in God's story. And what does that mean? It's not about me, that I've been graciously invited into his story. He's given me that front row seat in the story of God. And I'm encouraging us tonight to plant this first thought in the gardens of our mind. What is it? I am in God's story. Second thought I'm encouraging us to plant is this, that I am fearfully and wonderfully Made. If you feel okay about it, and only if you feel okay about it, I just want you to quickly, let's get this. Let's just, come on, let's have a bit of life together at the moment. I just want you to quickly turn to the person next to you and say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Only if you're comfortable. Ten seconds, you're done. <laughs> it feels good, doesn't it? It feels good. Why? Because we have all those other thoughts that take this thought of our garden away from us. We have to plant that thought in the garden of our mind. Why? Because we won't get that at school necessarily. 
We won't get that from our parent necessarily. We won't get that from the culture in which we live necessarily. And so we have to plant that word. And by the way, that's Psalm 139 verse 14, that you are fearfully, I am, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's think about this combination just for a moment, if we could. These two words, fearfully, wonderfully. Let's talk about these two words just for a moment. Because fearfully, by the way, do you ever hear, do you ever hear that, sin, that word used in any other kind of sentence? I don't think we... We do, but it's this. Fearfully, is, it's when you think about you from the perspective of the Creator God. It's when you think about you from the perspective of Creator God Almighty that you are, you are jaw dropping, you are heart trembling, you are awe-inspiring. You are beyond our ability to fully understand. Guess what? You are fearfully made. But that's not all. Because he goes on and says that you are wonderfully. At the same time, you're wonderfully. And by the way, at its, at its root, it, it actually it means specifically made. Specifically made. Not like the oceans or the galaxies and those little things. <laughs> But you are uniquely and distinctly made. I don't know if you've heard the, the theological term imago Dei. Yeah? Imago Dei. It's that theological term uh, uh, applied uniquely to us, to us humans, by the way. Which means you and I are made in the image of God. In the image. We are image bearers of the divine, and Karen and I, I'll just go there, it's not my notes, but we go there, sometimes we talk about animals, and we had friends whose animal passed away um, this last week, and do animals go to heaven, and that's a good little, little Karen reckons they do, and I, I, go, I go, not our three anyway, they're definitely not going, but uh, oh my goodness, <laughs> they're from the pit, no, 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 they're good, they're good, they're good, where was I, I'll come off my notes. Uh, it's a good uh, connect group talk, you know, th this week. Do, do animals really go to heaven? Um, anyway, I'll leave that with you. Where was I? Where was I? Fearfully, wonderfully made. Um, uh, uniquely, you see, yes, you made, that's right, Imago Day. thank you. Um, we're image bearers of the divine God Almighty. When he made you, he made you in his image. And what we need to do, we need to plant that thought, don't we, in the garden of our minds. And by the way, when we wake up tomorrow, we can actually say that I am jaw-dropping. Can you imagine all of us waking up tomorrow, look at I am jaw absolutely, you can, Oliver. Heart-trembling created, absolutely, Dorothy, you are distinctly and reflective of an image bearer of the almighty God. That's who I am. That's who you are. That's who we are, humans. Imago Dei. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Nothing in all creation can say that. Allow that thought to sink in to, in the, to the gardens of our minds. To reign over, by the way, those destructive thought patterns that keep going on. That you, 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 we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's go to the third point. Uh, and it kind of goes on from that same point that my life has purpose. We're going to plant that thought in the gardens of our minds. Well, yes, Steve, yeah, of course I do. I mean, I study and 
or, you know, I'm, I'm looking towards a career in the future, and, you know, I'm a parent, or, of course I've got purpose, but it's not that kind of purpose I'm talking about. We're talking about the purpose that goes back to the last word of Psalm 139, verse 14. I am fearfully and wonderfully, what was it? Yell it out. I'm made. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And guess what? Made things have purpose. Made things imply that there is a maker. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when you imply that there is a maker, guess what? I am not random. I am not somebody who's come from nothing and going to nothing. And there's no sense of everything in between. That I am a person whose life does matter. That I am not accidental. That I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Which means there is an assignment for me on earth. Which means that there is a reason for me to breathe the next breath of fresh air of God's creation. That means for me that there is a lane for me to run in and something for me to do cause for which I was born. There is something honorable about my contribution to this planet. Guess what? My life, your life, our lives have purpose. Give us a, come on, give it a clap, Mark. Come on, Mark. I'm with you, brother. Not me. Not me. We have to plant that thought in the gardens of our mind. We've got to water it, absolutely. We've got to cultivate it. We've got to let God develop it. We've got to let the word reinforce it. So I do not think like the pattern of this world, but I am transformed. That metamorphosis, that, um, that uh, butterfly, that butterfly from the cocoon into the butterfly with that renewed mind. And the fourth and final thought is this. We've got to plant it. It's this, that the cross has the final word. We have to plant that thought in the gardens of our mind. Why? Because you'll be actually agreeing with God's declaration of victory over your life. Where's our victory? It's in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so without planting that thought in our minds and letting it take root, you may circle around the airport called victory but you're never going to land that plane. You will never pull up at the gate and step out and walk into the fullness and freedom of what God has done for you. Yes, the cross has the final word about God, but also about you. I don't know who this is speaking to tonight, but I know you, by you being here, it's not an accident for you to hear what God has to say about you. Can I just go back for the first word about God in Scripture just for a moment? And then we're going to stand and we're going to sing this song together that the cross has the final word. You see, literally in the garden, what got planted, what got planted in the minds of Adam and Eve was this, that God isn't good, that God isn't trustworthy, and that God does not have and want to give you his absolute best. Let's fast forward to the cross where Jesus gave his one and only life for you. That the cross gets the final word that God is good and that God can be trusted and left with the option of living without you or living with you, he'll come for you. Not to get something from you but to give you everything 
that he has. You see, the cross has the final word about God. And here's the hope that we have. The cross has the final word about you. That you are a person of great worth to God. Greater love has no man than this. To lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Why we were still sinners. Christ died for us. In other words, the cross is followed by nothing. The cross has the final word. And Jesus has the final say. And he speaks to who you are. And he speaks to how God feels about you. He speaks to how he loves you. He speaks to how he longs for you. He speaks to the, to the pathway to forgiveness and of mercy. You see, God is saying, plant this thought in the garden of your minds because the cross gets to define your worth. And the, we've got to water that reality and let it grow up in our minds until it's the structure by which we organize every other thought in our lives. You see, I am, I don't know about you, I'm planting that thought in the garden of my mind because that's how I'm going to win this battle but it is up to you that because God said it you have to plant it but you have to water it you have to nurture it you have to you have to you have to but guess what tomorrow morning we can st- we can stand strong in the goodness of God in the, in, in the goodness of his word that I am in his story that I am fearfully and wonderfully made that I have a purpose, but guess what? The cross has the final, gets the final word. And guess what? A year from now, if we do that, if we do that, if we do that, we're going to look back and see all that God has done, that my garden is bearing a brand new crop, all for his glory as we let his word uproot and plant to weed out and lead us into a brand new future. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Come on.